As we open the Bible together this morning, we'll be looking at the parable of the sower. Before we stand for our scripture reading, I just wanted to say a few things about how we should listen to a parable. I want you to take your Bible, if you have one, or take your bulletin. I want you to look with me at verse 3. This is the first word that Jesus says in the parable of the sower. He says, listen. This is important because it helps us understand what Jesus wants from us this morning. He wants us to listen to him. And so before we get into it, here's the question. Are you listening to Jesus? Perhaps another question, a more probing question would be, if you're not listening to him, who are you listening to? Are you listening to yourself? Are you listening to others? Are you listening to the noise that this world is screaming at us? Because before we listen to the parable of the sower, we have to ask, do we have ears to hear? And the passage, verse 12, Jesus explains why he taught in parables. He says that they may see but not perceive hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven there's a big difference between hearing and understanding a big difference between seeing and perceiving and it's the difference between condemnation and forgiveness Jesus taught in parables to capture our imagination so that we would imagine a world, a world that is ruled by the kingdom of Jesus Christ. A parable is a story, a story meant to help us to not only hear the gospel, but to see the gospel as well. And so at the end of the parable of the sower, Jesus gives us this invitation. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. So with that invitation, I now invite you to stand for reading of God's word. Mark chapter four, beginning in verse one. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and set in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables, and they said to him, to you have been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, 
But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. An old friend of mine used to hate coming to church on Thanksgiving. He hated it because we sing Thanksgiving songs, a lot like the ones we sang today. I don't know if you like Thanksgiving hymns. I find them pretty comforting, truthfully. I grew up with hymns just like this every Thanksgiving. But he hated it. He hated it because of words like we sang in the very first hymn. If you have your bulletin, you can look with me. This is the second verse. All the world is God's own field. Fruit is praise to God we yield. Wheat and tares together sown are to joy and sorrow grown. First the blade and then the ear. Then the full corn shall appear. Lord of harvest, grant that we wholesome grain and pure may be. I can just hear him now. Just almost angry. What does it have to do with me, he would say. I mean, we're singing about corn and harvest. I'm not a farmer. You're not a farmer. None of us are farmers, so what does any of this have to do with anything? And yes, he'd be right. Most of us today are not farmers, and we are so far removed from farming that many of these images do get lost on us. And I think that's what he was getting at, to give him credit. I think he always just assumed that we would just be going through the motions singing these words. But you see, this hymn and many of these hymns that we sing on Thanksgiving really aren't farming at all, are they? There's something much deeper here. It's amazing how much of the Bible is filled with agricultural imagery. And yes, for 21st century urban Americans, many of those images are lost on us. Images like soil. Now, for most of us, when we think of soil, really what we call it is dirt. And dirt is just this thing that's underneath our feet and it gets our shoes dirty. But any good farmer, any good gardener would tell you that's not dirt, that is soil. Did you know that in a single handful of soil, 
there are more living things than there are people on the planet Earth. Did you know in that same handful of soil, there is more biodiversity than there is in the Amazon rainforest? You see, soil is one of the great wonders of God's creation. Let me show you what I mean. I want you to look at these flowers this morning. You see them? They're amazing, aren't they? We see the outside, the beauty of a flower, how a plant grows up, but what you don't realize is that these would not exist if it weren't for soil. When we look at a plant, we see how it grows with our eyes, but what we fail to see is that there's something going on underneath, something going on in the dirt that makes flowers grow. So it should not surprise us that Jesus chooses this image, the image of soil, to be the subject of one of his most famous parables. This morning together we're looking at the parable of the sower. Perhaps it should be really called the parable of the soils. And in this parable Jesus describes four different kinds of soil. And they represent four different kinds of people and how they respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I want us all to see this morning is not only do we need the gospel, but we need someone to come in and cultivate our hearts so that we might have good, rich soil to receive it. The first kind of soil that Jesus describes in the parable is hard soil. I want you to look with me at the end of verse three. Jesus begins the parable after he says, listen, by saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Now, as he does with all his parables, Jesus wants you and I to use our imaginations. It's, it's a lost art in our modern world. He wants us to imagine this scene. I want you to begin to picture it in your mind. I want you to picture a garden. And in the middle of this garden, there is a path, a stone path where you can walk along. And, and a sower is sowing seed. A sower is a, a farmer, a gardener. This gardener has seed and as he's scattering it into his garden, some of those seeds fall on the stony path. They bounce along the stone and there they are just out in the open. And if you spend any time scattering seed for birds, you know it doesn't take very long that if they're right there on the surface, the birds come, and that's exactly what happens. Birds immediately come, and they eat all the seed. Now, what Jesus does next in the parable of the sower makes it unique to all the other parables. Jesus actually takes the time to explain the parable to his disciples. And, and so with the parable of the sower, we have the unique advantage of listening in to his explanation. As Mark records these words in the gospel, we don't have to guess what the parable of the sower represents. No, Jesus tells us. 
and he does so beginning in verse 14. I want you to look in your bulletin. Skip a few verses ahead, look at verse 14. This is what he says. He says, the sower sows the word. So the first thing you have to know is that the seed is the word. The seed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news, the word that is being proclaimed, that Jesus died and he rose again, that all who believe in him will have salvation in his name. This sower is proclaiming the word. The seed is the word and the soil represents people. The first kind of soil is hard soil. It's stone, it's concrete, and this represents a hard person. This is what Jesus says, verse 15. He says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The hardened person hears the words of the gospel, but they don't receive them. The hardened person The words of the gospel might go into their ears, but it does not penetrate their hearts because their hearts are hard. Maybe that describes some of you this morning. Maybe you have a heart that is hard towards the things of God. Maybe you know someone who's like that, a family member, a friend, that though they've heard the gospel, they refuse to actually listen to the gospel because their hearts are hard. Most famous hard-hearted person in the Bible was a man named Pharaoh. He was king over Egypt during the Exodus. The book of Exodus tells us that Pharaoh's heart was hardened because he was prideful and arrogant. His heart was hardened because he refused to listen and obey God. In fact, he saw himself as God. This is what it means to have a hard heart. Pharaoh refused, refused to obey God, refused to let the people of God go. His heart was hard. The Apostle Paul describes a hard heart this way, Ephesians chapter four, verse 18. He says, the person with a hard heart is darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous, given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Paul says the person with a hard heart has become callous. What's a callous? A callus is where your skin begins to harden. I have calluses on my fingers from playing guitar. Maybe you have calluses on your feet from walking barefoot. And over time, those calluses build up and nothing can break through. There was a time when I was playing guitar so much, I could not feel anything in my fingers. The calluses were so thick that there weren't even nerve endings anymore to feel. So it is with a hard heart. The person with a hardened heart cannot feel anything. They've closed themselves off from the world. They've closed themselves off from the things of God. They've closed themselves off from the gospel itself. What can break through a hard heart? Only the Holy Spirit. 
prophet Ezekiel gives us this promise. For all those who might receive the Holy Spirit, God says, I will give you a new heart. A new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The only way for the hardness of our heart to be broken is if God breaks it. The second kind of soil that Jesus describes as shallow soil. I want you to look back at verse five. Verse five, Jesus says, other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. I want, to, I want you to imagine a desert. I want you to imagine a desert floor with rocky, sandy soil. And what Jesus tells us in the parable is that the seed is planted. So it's not like the hardened path. No, the seed is actually planted in rocky soil. And not only is it planted, but it actually grows into a plant, but its roots cannot grow deep. Jesus explains this in verse 16. He says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. I want you to think about that for a second this morning. The person who has shallow soil immediately receives the gospel. They're not like the hard-hearted person no, this person actually hears the words of the gospel. They hear the promise of Jesus and they receive it with joy. The problem is they have no roots. Verse 17, Jesus says they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. The person with shallow soil has a shallow faith. The person with a shallow faith has no gospel roots. Yes, they've heard the gospel. There's a part of them that maybe even understands or is beginning to understand the gospel, but their faith is shallow. It's not deep. It's simplistic. It's only on the surface. It's been culturally conditioned passed down from generation to generation without questioning, without thoughtfulness, and without genuine faith. And Jesus says, this kind of person with shallow soil, with shallow faith, can get along for a little while. But when things get hard, faith goes out the window. He says when tribulation or persecution comes, immediately they fall away. The word tribulation just means hardship, pain, and suffering. And here is the hard truth that every human being on the planet has to reckon with. We will all face suffering, every one of us every one of us, whether you are a Christian this morning or not, you will face suffering because we live in a fallen world. And right now, so many of us are experiencing more suffering than we ever have. We are confronted with it. 
And so the question for you and I this morning is what kind of hope do you have? What kind of faith? For some of you with no hope and no faith at all, you are left utterly hopeless in the midst of suffering. But for others of you, how Jesus describes that have a shallow of faith, a shallow of faith with no roots, when you're confronted with suffering, you begin to wonder, is any of this worth it? Apostle Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. In other words, expect suffering. He goes on in verse 19, he says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let those who suffer according to God's will. Is Peter saying that suffering is part of the will of God? How would a loving God allow suffering to happen to his people? Because he allowed suffering to happen to his own son. Throughout our history, God has always used suffering for good, always. He's always taken this fallen world and the way that sin eats us from the inside out and he's actually used it for good. If you don't believe me, I want you to consider the cross. Jesus died through crucifixion. An innocent man hanging and tortured on a tree. Unbearable suffering that God used for your salvation. And this is what he does with us. Suffering that begins to wear at the rocks and shallow soil. Did you know that rock and soil is actually a good thing? At least when it's been broken down. If there are big rocks, well, it just gets in the way of roots. But once rock begins to be broken down, little pieces of shale actually help the soil to breathe. And as rock is broken down, minerals are released into the soil that give a plant nutrients. Suffering breaks down these lodged rocks in our souls Rocks of doubt and questioning. Rocks that say, God, where are you? Why would you allow this suffering to happen? God, by his grace, works these things into our hearts so that in the place of hurt, there can be harvest. What kind of soil do you have this morning? Is it hard soil? Is it shallow soil, or is it the third soil? Soil that I want to call overcrowded soil. I want you to look at verse 7. Jesus says that other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Now, when my wife Jenny and I bought our house, we bought it, and it was overrun with weeds. Maybe you've had that experience before if you're a homeowner, if you've ever done any gardening, 
our beds, our flower beds, were completely overrun with weeds. And while you could plant plants there, those plants would be in constant competition with all the weeds around them. And eventually, anything that you would plant in the bed would die because the weeds around it would choke it out. Our beds, our flower beds, were overcrowded. And what Jesus wants us to see is that our hearts can be overcrowded as well. Look at verse 18. He explains, the others are one sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So just like the second soil, the shallow soil, a seed is actually planted. It actually begins to grow. The only problem is there's all kinds of other plants around it. Thorns and thistles that are beginning to choke out the word. Overcrowded soil is the condition of our hearts. We have a heart that is overcrowded with idols. Now when you hear the word idol, I don't want you to think of a little carved statue of some false god. But in the Bible, the word idolatry refers to anything that we might worship, even good things that we put in the place of God. And this is the thing that you have to know about idolatry. It's like a weed, a bad weed that grows and grows and grows, and eventually it will take over your soul. This is the image that Jesus wants us to have. You might have rich soil, but if it's overcrowded with other things, eventually the gospel will be choked out. Jesus describes some of these idols. Verse 19, I want you to look with me. He says, the cares of the world. Do you find yourself anxious this morning? Do you find yourself worried? I know I do. It's easy to place our cares in the things of this world. But when we do so, when we're placing our heart and mind on those things, even if it's producing anxiety, that anxiety is a form of meditation and focus. And in those moments, we're no longer focused on the truth of the gospel, but our hearts are overcrowded. Jesus goes on, he says, the deceitfulness of riches. That's why later in the Gospel of Mark, he says, it's so difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Because money is not the root of all evil, but love of money is. We feel this in our bones, don't we? Wanting power and control and comfort believing that money will give that to us when only Jesus can. Or he also talks about the desires for other things. What do you want? What do you desire? However you answer that question this morning, odds are you have an idol there at the end of that answer. Something that is falsely promising you goodness, Something that is falsely promising you satisfaction. 
And the thing is, just like weeds, none of them are worth anything. And so what do we do? What do we do? What do we do when our hearts have this kind of soil? Because here's the warning. I want you to consider something this morning about the first three types of soil. The first, it's hard soil. But the second two, it's not hard. In the second two types of soil, a seed is actually planted. A plant actually grows. This should be a warning for us this morning. A sober reminder that you can look good on the outside, but deep down, deep at your roots, there is something desperate going on. Apostle Paul described it this way, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to listen. Paul said, understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now listen to this. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. The second two types of soil, shallow soil, overcrowded soil, have the appearance of godliness. A plant is growing, but deep down, it's going to die. And so what do we do? What do we do? We need good soil. Only one kind of soil bears fruit. I want you to look with me at verse 8. The other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. I want you to imagine dark, rich soil this morning. Can you see it? The kind of soil that you can sink your fingers into. The kind of soil that's almost warm when you put your hand into it. The kind of soil that when you bring some up to your nose, it almost smells sweet. This is the kind of soil that we need. Jesus in verse 20 says, those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. We need the kind of soil in our hearts where the hardness has become soft, where the roots of the gospel can grow deep, where there's nothing competing for God's word planted deeply within us. How do we get soil like that? I want you to think back about my house in my overcrowded beds. Do you know what I did? I did whatever good American male would do. I went to Home Depot and I rented a rototiller. Those things are awesome. And I got a rototiller and I put it in the ground and this thing is gas powered with these huge blades that go down deep into the dirt. They begin to pull out all of the rocks. They begin to pull out not just the weeds but the root of the weeds down deep. And the truth is it's 
kind of violent and it's messy. Rocks flying everywhere, weeds going over my shoulder, but I had to do it in order to make good soil. Brothers and sisters, friends, this is what we need. We need our hearts to be tilled. We need our hearts to be cultivated to truly receive the good news of Jesus. Because otherwise our hearts will just be hard, or they'll be shallow, or they'll be overcrowded. We need someone to do that for us. We need a gardener. The Gospel of John, we're told that when Jesus rose again, there was so much confusion and so much grief and sadness. We're told that Mary went to the tomb looking for him. And instead, she didn't find him, she found two angels. And as she stood there weeping, a man appeared to her. It was Jesus, but she didn't know it was Jesus. John 20, verse 15, Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And then John tells us this. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Did you hear it? Mary didn't recognize Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. And I don't think that's an accident. In the beginning, God made a garden. And he called Adam and Eve, our first parents, to take care of that garden. And they failed. They disobeyed God and sin entered the world and thorns and thistles came with it. And so God sent a gardener to make the garden new again. And so right now, in this moment, as we approach Thanksgiving, in the most honest places of your heart and mind, maybe you are wondering, God, what are you doing? With all that's going on in the pandemic, with all the disease that's being spread, loved ones who've passed away, the suffering that we have experienced, the difficulty of living in a polarized political climate, everything that's outside of the church that's threatening to undo the church from the inside out, all of these things might have you wondering, Jesus, what are you doing? Do you know what he's doing? He's gardening. Jesus is gardening. He is tilling the soil of our hearts. He's allowing suffering to wear down the rock so it can become nutrients for our souls. He is weeding out the idols and it is painful. But he's making our garden new. So the question for you and this, me this morning is this. Have you received the word? Has the seed of the gospel been planted deep in your heart? Jesus died for you and he rose again for you so that all who trust in his name will be saved. Does that truth now plant deep roots in your soul? Or if you're honest, does God need to do some tilling? Do you need to allow the Holy Spirit to do some cultivation? Do you need 
Jesus to be the good sower who not only scatters seed, but plants it deep in our hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would be with us now as we sing this final hymn and as we go into a week of giving thanks. We pray that you would work the gospel deep into us. We pray that it would plant deep roots within us. We pray that by your grace and mercy, that in your kindness you would till the soil of our hearts, that you would remove weeds so the gospel might bloom and bear much fruit in us. We ask you to do this, Lord God, because we cannot. Do this in us, we plead with you in Jesus' name, amen.